Welcome to episode number 331 of Slick Whispers. Tonight, you'll hear a Whisperpedia episode about Alexander Selkirk, the real Robinson Crusoe. I'm Harris, and I created this tranquilizer of restless brain squirrels so you can relax and fall asleep. Alright, why did I choose Alexander Selkirk for tonight's Whisperpedia? Well, I've always enjoyed stories, movies, and TV shows about castaways. And the most famous castaway in history is probably Robinson Crusoe. But he's a fictional character created by the author William Defoe. And many people believe that Defoe was inspired by the story of the real-life castaway Alexander Selkirk. Curiously, though, Defoe never confirmed or denied this, which <laughs> is a little silly if you look at some basic facts. Listen to this timeline. In 1705, Alexander Selkirk was stranded by himself on an island. In 1709, four years later, he was rescued. In 1712, the captain of the ship who rescued Selkirk published the story of how Selkirk survived alone on an island for so long. And then, five years later, Daniel Defoe published his novel, Robinson Crusoe. Now, a five-year gap may not seem like a smoking gun today, but this was a long time ago. Back then, there was no internet, no TV, no phones, no radio, and no shipping by highways. So it really could have taken five years for Selkirk's story to become popular, for Devoe to hear about it, for Devoe to consider writing a book about it, for Devoe to actually write a complete novel, and then to get it published. Yeah, it sounds to me like Selkirk could have easily have been the major inspiration for Robinson Crusoe. Okay, enough ripping of Daniel Defoe for not being a bit more open and honest about his main inspiration. Tonight, you'll hear the exciting story of Alexander Selkirk, which includes learning about his rascal 
which is probably the reason he ended up on the island, but also perhaps the reason he survived on the island. You'll also learn about his other skills and knowledge that helped him to survive being on the island for so long. In my theory about how he really hunted goats, which I think is much more realistic than what Wikipedia and most other articles say about this matter. And I'll finish this episode with some fun and curious facts about Daniel Defoe and his novel, Robinson Crusoe. If you'd like to become a Silk Plus member and get free access for a limited time to over 500 more relaxing episodes, including more than 50 Whisperpedia episodes like this one, then just use the link in the episode notes or go to silkpodcasts.com. Okay, let's begin tonight's Whisperpedia. I hope it distracts and relaxes your overactive brain squirrels. The following is adapted from the Wikipedia article titled Alexander Selkirk and Other Related Wikipedia Articles. Alexander Selkirk, the inspiration for Robinson Crusoe. Even if Daniel DeVoe refused to admit it, Alexander Selkirk was born in 1676 in Scotland. As a young lad, he was a bit of a rascal and a troublemaker. At the age of 17, he was summoned by church authorities due to some indecent conduct in church but he decided to skip down instead. At the age of 25, he was again called before church authorities for assaulting his brothers. At the age of 27, he became a buccaneer and set sail from Ireland on an armed merchant ship headed to the South Pacific Ocean. He was part of an expedition of several ships which had the authority to attack and plunder any ships that were enemies to England. The name of his armed ship was the Sink Ports, and he served under Captain Thomas Stradling. In early 1704, They rounded Cape Horn with visions of victories, plundering, raids, and riches. But instead, they 
Russell in battle, and then they failed in an attempt to raid a Panamanian gold mining town. Their luck soon turned around, though, when they captured a merchant ship that was filled with cargo. They plundered the ship of its wine, brandy, sugar, and flour, and then let it continue on. At this point, Captain Stradling decided they would break away from the other ships in the expedition and just strike out on their own. In September of 1704, Captain Stradling, with Alexander Selkirk on board, decided to restock his ship with fresh water and supplies on a nearby island. The uninhabited island was named Mass Atiera, and it was located in the chain of islands called Juan Fernandez. They were about 420 miles, or 670 kilometers, off the coast of Chile. Selkirk understood that they were basically in the middle of nowhere, and he had concerns about how seaworthy their vessel was at this point. He couldn't bite his tongue or suppress his rascal nature, so he expressed his concern adamantly to the captain and argued that they should make repairs before going any further. The captain was not convinced, and he disagreed strongly with him. Selkirk declared that he would rather stay on the uninhabited island than continue on in such a dangerously leaky ship. So, Captain Stradling took him up on his offer, and he landed Selkirk on the island. He gave Selkirk a musket, a hatchet, a knife, a cooking pot, a Bible, bedding, and some clothes. Selkirk immediately regretted his rashness, but the captain refused to let him back on board. So Selkirk just stood on the shore of the island and watched the ship sail off into the distance. And I know what your big question is right now. Was Selkirk right or wrong about the ship not being seaworthy? Selkirk turned out to be 100% correct. A month later, the ship sprang leaks, and it sank off the coast of modern-day Colombia. Additionally, most of the crew died. For those who did survive, they were taken as prisoners by the Spanish and suffered harsh imprisonment conditions 
ship sank due to worm-infested wood in its hull. Of course, Selkirk wouldn't know about the ship sinking until several years later. He probably didn't think about it too much after the ship sailed out of sight. From that moment forward, it was likely he was just focused on his own survival. At first, Selkirk remained along the shoreline of the island. During this time, he ate spiny lobsters and scanned the ocean daily for rescuers. He suffered much during this time from loneliness, misery, and remorse. Soon after, hordes of noisy and boisterous sea lions gathered on the beach for the mating season. This large invasion of sea beasts drove him to the island's interior. Once inland, his way of life took a turn for the better as he discovered more food options. Feral goats, introduced by earlier sailors, provided him with meat and milk. He also ate wild turnips, the leaves of the indigenous cabbage tree, and he spiced up his food with pink peppercorns. On the downside, rats would attack him at night. He fixed this problem by domesticating some feral cats that he found on the island. The cats started hanging out with him and chasing the rats away while he slept. Selkirk showed additional resourcefulness in other ways. He found an old barrel on the beach and he forged an extra knife out of the barrel hoops. Using pepper trees, he built a hut for cooking and another hut for sleeping. The captain had left him a musket, so he used that initially to hunt goats. To utilize the meat and the hides of the goats, he used his knife that he had created from the barrel loops. After a while, he ran out of gunpowder for his musket, making it a bit more challenging to hunt the goats. So, instead of shooting them, he simply chased them on foot. But that resulted in a new problem, falling off cliffs. During one chase, he tumbled off a cliff and he was badly injured. He remained at the bottom of the cliff for about a day, unable to move. Now, here is where Wikipedia leaves a big gap in this story between chasing goats on foot and then falling off of a cliff. They don't explain what method he was using to catch or kill the goats 
doesn't chase the Montfort. So, I did some quick searches of other articles about Selkirk, and I came across a bunch of explanations. Some sources say that he attacked the goats with his knife. Some say a spear, and others say a club. But none of these articles mentioned another method, which is my theory. I wondered if he was chasing the goats towards the cliff's edge, which would explain why he also fell over the cliff. This just makes more sense to me. I've seen plenty of contestants on survival TV shows try to run down a wild animal. It wastes a lot of calories and it rarely works. You just end up looking like some goofy circus clown chasing a monkey <laughs> and it just looks like slapstick comedy. So I kept searching for something to support my theory and I found it. I came across a book written in 1864 about an expedition to Selkirk's Island. Although they visited about 150 years after Selkirk. They still hope to understand how he survived. With excitement, I found this passage in the book. Quote, It is not unlikely that there still exist some of the direct descendants of the goats domesticated by Selkirk. The residents of Cumberland Bay have about the huts a considerable number of these animals. When they wish for a supply of goat flesh or goat skins, they go in a group to Goat Island where they surround the goats and drive them over a cliff. End quote. <laughs> yes, this greatly supports my theory and explains why Selkirk fell over a cliff while chasing goats. Another statement in Wikipedia also supports my theory. They state that when Selkirk fell over the cliff, he landed on a goat, which probably kept him from breaking his back. Again, though, Wikipedia doesn't explain how the goat got down there. In fact, it almost seems like Wikipedia wants you to think that Selkirk hunted goats by jumping off a cliff and landing on them.
is now clear to you and to me that Selkirk was simply chasing goats over a cliff. He would run towards the goats to make them go over the cliff. But then one day he failed to stop in time before he also went over the cliff and landed on one of the goats below. Case closed. <laughs> okay, enough about Goat Gate. Let's move on. Selkirk's father was a tanner, and he had learned information from him which served him well on the island. For example, when his clothes wore out, he used a nail to sew new clothes from goat skins. But when his shoes wore out, he really didn't have the resources and skills to create new shoes. Instead, he just walked barefoot and his growing calluses protected his feet. Now, curiously, the first page of Daniel Defoe's novel shows an image of the fictional Robinson Crusoe in bare feet and dressed in a goatskin. Yeah, ponder that. Another item that was left to Selkirk by the captain was a Bible. To comfort himself, Selkirk often sang psalms and read from it. Well, guess what? A Bible also plays a significant role for the fictional Robinson Crusoe during his time on an island. But yeah, Daniel Defoe, he wasn't at all inspired by Selkirk's story. Nah. <laughs> Alright, I guess I wasn't done ripping Mr. Defoe. Anyway, back to Selkirk. During his time on the island, two ships did visit, which sounds like good news. Unfortunately for Selkirk, both were Spanish ships. He knew that he would have faced a grim fate if captured, and therefore he did his best to hide. Although it turns out, Selkirk was really bad at playing hide-and-go-seek. Sure enough, he got spotted and he was chased by a group of Spanish sailors. He did manage to scramble high up into a tree. Looking down, he saw the sailors approach the base of the tree, and he just about panicked. But the Spanish sailors never looked up. Instead, they all urinated on the base of the tree. <laughs> After urinating, the sailors gave up the chase, went back to their ship, and left the island. At 
this point, Selkirk decided he needed to be more careful. So he made it a habit to first climb to his lookout before approaching the beach. This would keep him from bumping into any other Spanish sailors that may have landed on the beach. In February of 1710, Selkirk climbed into his lookout to scan the beach and the nearby waters. With great excitement, it looked like there were two British ships in the bay. He rushed down to the beach, built a fire, and began signaling with desperation. A man on one of the British ships saw the fire and launched a boat to investigate. And here is the crazy twist. The man who sighted the fire was William Dampier. But who is that, you wonder? When Selkirk started his sailing quest, he was part of an expedition of several ships. The ship Selkirk had been on was led by Captain Thomas Dradling. But guess who was a captain of one of the other ships? Yep, William Dampier, whose eagle eye had now spotted Selkirk's fire on the island. After four years and four months of surviving on the island, Selkirk was finally rescued. Well, <laughs> not immediately. The bad news was that the crew of these two ships were suffering from scurvy, hunger, and other problems. Instead of being immediately rescued, Selkirk sort of rescued the crew of the ships. For the next several days, Selkirk caught two to three goats a day and helped the crew recover. The crew and captains of the ships were highly surprised and impressed by Selkirk's physical vigor and peace of mind. One of the captains, named Woods Rogers, made this statement. One may see that solitude and retirement from the world is not such an insufferable state of life as most men imagine, especially when people are fairly called or thrown into it unavoidably as this man was. After ten days, the two British ships and Selkirk finally left the island. Now, you may wonder, once rescued, did Selkirk make a beeline for home and vow to stay away from ships forever? <laughs> nope. He happily joined the crew of one of the rescue ships. 
Rogers immediately made him second mate of his ship and later gave him command of another ship. For about the next two years, Selkirk completed a round-the-world voyage, captured some Spanish ships, and plundered gold and jewels from rich Spanish ladies. <laughs> yep, once a rascal, always a rascal. Finally, in 1711, about two years after his rescue, Selkirk finally returned to England. Within a year, there were two published accounts about Selkirk. Both were written by members of the two ships which had rescued him. One was written by Captain Rogers, and the other account was written by Edward Cook, the first mate of the other ship. In 1713, the prominent essayist Richard Steele wrote an article about him for the Englishman newspaper. In other words, everyone seemed to be writing about Selkirk and his incredible ordeal, turning him into a celebrity. He even scored a share of the wealth that he had helped to plunder while sailing over the prior two years. This amount was 800 British pounds. In modern currency, that amount today would be about 150,000 U.S. dollars, or 126,000 British pounds. In addition to the 800 British pounds, he also received four rings, a tobacco box, a cane, two candlesticks, and a sword, all of which were made of gold or silver. After a few months in London, Selkirk began to seem more like his former self, but he did miss his solitary island life. He is quoted as saying, I am now worth 800 pounds, but I shall never be as happy as when I was not worth a farthing. Now, his rascal nature didn't stay dormant for long. In September of 1713, he was charged with assault, and the records are unclear, but he may have been kept in confinement for two years. In 1717, he got married, but then soon after, he enlisted in the Royal Navy. In 1720, he married again, which may have resulted in this rascal being married to two women at the same time. In 1721, Alexander Selkirk, 
the famous castaway and constant rascal contracted yellow fever and he was buried at sea two years before Selkirk died. Daniel DeVoe published his fictional story about Robinson Crusoe in 1719. Interestingly, the book was not titled simply Robinson Crusoe, but rather the actual full title was <laughs> Get ready for this. This is the craziest title you're ever going to hear. Here it is. The Life and Strange Surprising Adventures of Robinson Crusoe of York Mariner who lived eight and twenty years all alone in an uninhabited island on the coast of America near the mouth of the great river of Roanoke having been cast on shore by shipwreck wherein all the men perished by himself with an account how he was at last strangely delivered by pirates written by himself. <laughs> yeah, all that was the full title of the book. <laughs> Good grief. Someone needs to fire that editor. In 1966, the island inhabited by Alexander Selkirk was renamed from Massa to the island of Robinson Crusoe. And I sort of think that that is a wonderful irony because Daniel DeVoe never admitted that Selkirk was his main inspiration. Kind of seems like history got the last laugh on DeVoe. I also sort of feel like, or I wish, that maybe the island, though, had been named after Alexander Selkirk. That, in a way, would have been more appropriate. Anyway, one last curious fact. Daniel DeVoe's real name was not Daniel DeVoe. It was... Daniel Foe. He added the D-E to his last name to increase his social standing, which makes me realize Alexander Selkirk wasn't the only rascal in this story. <laughs> this is the end of tonight's Whisperpedia episode. If you'd like to become a Silk Plus member and get free access for a limited time to over 500 more relaxing episodes, which include over 50 Whisperpedia episodes, then just use the link in the episode notes or go to Silk Podcasts Dot com. Or perhaps you're now ready to fall deeply asleep.